Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don, where Pastor Don answers all of your questions on theology, parenting, and whether he can tell if you're sleeping in church. Enjoy. Please like and subscribe. Good morning. How's everybody? Good morning. Good. Here. Yep. Yes. Now yeah, we got some freezing rain yeah. outside, so it's, um, it's probably going to be really bad when we leave. But. That's okay. Yeah, it's well, Iowa weather. Yes. I mean, you mean. Yep, a little weather talks That's good. That's why weather. we live here, right? <laughs> we like variety. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, as you notice, we got three people here. We got Matt Friel, um, behavioral specialist for Mid Prairie. Is that the official title? Yep, I think so at okay. this point. Okay. That means okay. you have special behavior? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and we want to bring him on because he's been a friend of mine for a very long time. And um, I've always known that he's talked about, you know, the. The male role models and, you know, the younger uh, younger boys in school and stuff like that and their real need. I know he reached out to me a couple of times saying, hey, can you, you know, take a kid and come have him work on the farm? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was still pretty green that had just wrecked a, a tractor, so it wasn't going to be <laughs> a good idea to, yeah, let's throw another one in there. But we kind of wanted to see the spiritual side and the maybe the, the more structured side not mm-hmm. saying that you're not a spiritual person and don't have those insights. I, mean, I know you do. Um, to see what kind of those differences in a collaboration to talk about. Yeah, and I've had the privilege of watching you guys grow up. So yeah. I'm the whole character here. <laughs> yeah. Saying, hey, boy, it's really neat to see you guys grow up. Praise yeah. the Lord! Yeah. So I'm you saying. have first-hand experience at growing up. Yep. Yeah. You're growing up, yep. I'm still growing. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was, um, since you're behavioral specialist, like what are some of the key like traits of like a, a young man that you know is just lacking in that strong leadership or just a, you know, a general need like that? Yeah, I think, um, what we see most with younger males and, and it can be with females too, but traditionally with males is that they lack the ability to be in relation with others in that um, they might have had a deficit when they were a kid that has not grown and the fact that they are not able to if we're playing a game together or whatever it is I'm not exactly able to accept the parameters of our relationship and so maybe I'm doing kind of my own thing and you're doing your own thing But when that comes to the classroom and we have to accept that there are certain rules, there are certain guidelines, there's consequences, because they didn't grow up with some of those early interventions that we would see in a typical family home, um, they aren't able to accept those and reach that kind of self-actualization that we would see in like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs or an an ARC intervention as well. Okay. Uh, Like what are some of the... um like parameters, like what are the, some of the things that they would do? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I can give you like a really quick example. Um, and, and we'll do it like kind of off that Plato, um, quote that said, I can, I can learn more from someone with an hour of play than a year's worth of conversation. So you can look at two separate groups of kids on the playground. Our groups of kids on the playground are playing maybe kickball, football, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? And all of that is in relation with each other with set parameters and guidelines. If there's three out, then we have to switch. If you hit the ball out of bounds, it's the other team's ball. 
And so there's parameters around that. And then there's also a community that's holding that child accountable. Right. And so yeah. they're becoming conditioned to community support, community parameters, community consequences, if that's the case. The other group of kids and the kids that I see a lot of when I watch on the playground are off playing their like first person driven games is what I would call it. Right. Okay. Kind of like a video game sort of. But we're all three playing a game and we're fighting a bad guy and I'm Superman. But like I can also teleport and Alex is Batman because he's got all the gadgets, um, but yep. he can also fly. And Don is I don't know. Who's your favorite superhero? Catwoman. Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. <laughs> but I was thinking Superman, you know. Superman. Superman. Okay, so I'll be yeah. Hulk. I'm super strong, but I'm really flexible. So that's incredible yeah. too, right? And so we're all fighting this bad guy, but you're in your own world playing your own game. And he's in his own world playing his own game. And I'm in my own world and I'm playing my own okay. game. And so although we are standing next to each other, we're not in community. Gotcha. We're not in relationship. We're not playing those games. So you can see how that would transition into the classroom is that all of a sudden now we're playing building blocks together, but I don't know exactly how to do that with you. Or we're supposed to be sitting at the carpet, but I'm kind of just off doing my own thing because that's really where I'm conditioned to doing is just I can be in the presence of others, but I'm not in community. And so then when that happens and when they're held to consequences or expectations of the community and they don't understand it, it doesn't feel like advancement for that child it feels like oppression and what do we do when we're oppressed is that we begin to rebel and mm -hmm. fight back and that's when we kind of start to see those challenging behaviors inside the classroom okay okay that's a good, really good description anything to add Don? Well, I was wondering so what you talked about learning how to play is what I did with my sister and then with my cousins and mm -hmm. also in the neighborhood is this a change because we don't have quite as many nuclear families as we once did, but also even in the nuclear family, the modern nuclear family, there isn't uh, the play has changed. Yeah, so I think that's that's a couple like there's a couple layers to that. First, is that like if we look at a two-parent household, um, I know I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. When my wife is gone, it's survival. Like my <laughs> kids are wild. Um, and that's okay. They're supposed to be wild. They're seven and four. Yeah. And they're my kids. So absolutely. And so like when I get home, it's like, we're going through the book bags, we're cooking dinner, we're doing bath time, we're reading books. My kids don't nap. So they have to go to bed early because they'll wake up at six and be terrible the next day if I don't get them to bed early. And so in that, we're really more in survival mode and we're not, I can't do all the things that I want to do with my kids because I, I have to do all the things I need to do for my kids. So that's cutting out a significant amount of play time with those kids and starting to like understand the parameters of play and how to be in relationship with me or how to be in relationship with my wife or my kids, helping them. A seven and a four-year-old can only play so long before they start fighting and throwing toys, right? And so when you don't have that moderator and you don't have that person there, they're not learning. They're not like learning how to be in that relationship. And then... The other side to that is play has changed, right? With the, the introduction of electronics or um, the idea that we're just so busy all the time anyway and, and we're kind of almost in love with being busy and then I have to do all these things for my kids and they have to start dance at two years old or whatever it might be. 
we're we're not just letting them be kids as much anymore. We're we're trying to give them everything that we thought we wanted or everything that we needed, and it came from a good place. But man, we just got to let our young kids just play and be, you know, and, and and use imagination instead of just driving them to whatever we think is going to be best for them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a little bit. Um, I think also we might not have noticed how much things were changing before this generation too. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, I, I have a couple of my grandkids that do video games. Mm-hmm. I don't play those very well. <laughs> I try. It's <laughs> a whole different way of playing. Yep. And uh, never done it that way. Yeah, and again, it's first-person generated. So, like, I, I'm being honest, my son has a switch, um, and as soon as he gets frustrated with a level or he can't beat the level, like, we're popping out that game and we're starting something new. Like, you know, so it's just like as soon as we meet that sort of stimulus or whatever might be affecting us or making us feel a certain way, I can escape that super easy. You can't do that in the classroom. You can't do that in a community setting. You can't do that in a job. When things get hard we have to help them kind of push through that. I come to the class and, okay, as a church, as a church of communities, uh, that's a change for us too. And we as spiritual communities don't usually change very fast. Uh, yeah. can, can we garner any advice as to how do the spiritual communities of today Start working with a new generation. Yeah. Um, so first, I would say, like, and and we could do an entire, like, podcast on just adverse childhood experiences, which means like tough experiences that children go go through before they're the age of eighteen, and it derives a very clear amount of outcomes even more so than like even the poverty scale. We, you used to have the triangle of poverty scale, right? The adverse childhood experiences will tell you much more than what the poverty scale will, but the, um, the determining outcome for those children who have those adverse childhood experiences, experience those things like early death in the family, substance abuse in the home, there's, there's about 12 of them the one thing that changes them is a positive adult in their life, that mentor, that person that helps teach them regulation, whatever it might be, that person that feels like they've believed in them. Um, that's the person who can really start to change and turn them around. And even when we do trainings on this at Mid Prairie, we've had multiple teachers are like, wow, I had a pretty rough upbringing and I had a lot of these adverse childhood experiences. And then, you know, the question is, okay, why are you in teaching? And they're like, well, because I had that one teacher. I had that one person in my life that kind of really drove me to the place where I could be. And so if I was thinking about that and like, and how we change our school programming for those kids versus how you could change it in the spiritual community, I would be adding more play and I would be adding more games and I'd be adding more of that community and then making sure that um, we do connection surveys at Mid Prairie. We need to make sure that every single child feels connected with one adult. They do it on a Google form. And if we find that we have, usually we have a handful of kids that don't have that connection, 
we need to have targeted interventions to make sure that like we're pairing with that kid. Who can we find to connect with them? Who can we make sure that for two minutes a day they're they're checking in with them just to make sure that we're keeping that connection alive for them? Good. I mean, I mean, the church setting is a little bit different too because a lot of parents are in the church. Mm -hmm. We don't have a youth group here right now, but that was a big part when I was growing up. My mind is we do have a lot of grandparents. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, I think of the the one in my life that probably I had three grandparents that invested heavily mm -hmm. in my future. I just they were precious. I could see uh, how would that look? How can we develop grandparents connection mm -hmm. to kids in our community? I, I, maybe I'm jumping way down the road, but I just I have this vision of the the church being a greater asset to our community. Not that we have to give so much more, but we have to be something more yeah. to our community. Well, and I think about the times, you know, we went to Colonial I Methodist Church when I was growing up, and I can think about the people that I was excited to see at church, yeah. whether it be my youth group leaders or people outside of my family. And even um, I, had a, I had a boy who graduated a few years ago who attended church regularly by himself as a high school student looking for that connection. And so it's really just a more targeted piece of like if, if, if I am a child in the church, are you the person that's going to make sure every time that you see me we're having a conversation that's in-depth, that's one-on-one that's -on -one to make sure that every single time the child steps in this church they feel seen. And it's something predictable, which is very important for our kids, and it's something that they can look forward to. If nothing else beyond that day, they have those two minutes to talk to you about how they would talk to their grandparents or how they would talk with their parents, but just another person to kind of embrace them into that community. Yeah, that's good. And I experienced in my last congregation an individual who would, you know, he could linger around the water fountain, but he'd give affirmation to the young people as they went through, maybe they did music the week before, or uh, maybe he read in the newspaper they'd done some athletic activity, and that was what he did. He just stood there and affirmed mm -hmm. the young mm -hmm. people in the church one by one. And uh, that's sort of what I'd like to see more of. It's a powerful thing for a child to feel noticed. It, it really oh, yeah. is. Um, and especially when everybody's participating in everything and, and, and there's so much busyness going on, just to feel noticed as an individual and as a person, it's incredibly powerful for a middle schooler, for a high schooler, even for an elementary kid. Well, and I think we downplay it because mm -hmm. we think, well, we didn't take any classes, and we don't know mm -hmm. this, and we don't know that. But just a, a simple conversation and an affirmation of what they're doing and have done it, what you know they've done. Mm -hmm. uh, might take reading the newspaper a little bit more and the sports section in our local community, that kind of thing. But uh, it, it really goes a long way and doesn't take much energy. Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about it a lot of that, like, especially in the middle school, you might not remember everything that you learned, but you remember how you felt, right? Everyone can remember that feeling of being in middle school and being, frankly, like pretty awkward and just like <laughs> looking for acceptance, you know? And so, so they might not ever, you know, when they come in the church, we want them to learn things. Um, and we want them to learn about God and Jesus and, every, and, and all of that, that that comes here. But we also, what's going to keep them coming back is how they feel walking through the doors, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely part of it. 
my thing is, I'd like our faith to walk outside the doors a little bit more. Mm -hmm. and so what we do within the walls, yes, that could be reinforcing us what we believe, but then what we believe needs to walk outside the doors and down the streets of Kelowna and Raman and Westchester and uh, be evidence to people around us. So as I think of that, that need along with male adolescence and earlier, uh, I, I dream of a place where we could rub shoulders more often. Mm -hmm. Where the men of our community can have children, intergenerationally, mm -hmm. and because uh, I I think there's some guys in the forties could use a little affirmation once mm -hmm. in a while. And say, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. no, that's me. That's right. that's something we've talked about before with the the men. It's just a lot of them really need to have a purpose. Right. Well, men in, in general don't have as many clusters of, of relationships. They usually have a smaller cluster of relationships. And there's really only a few in that cluster that they could be. That's sort of a male thing with this. But um, given that, then if you don't have anybody here, mm -hmm. affirming and, and walking with, uh, dare we say, disciples, apprenticing? I mean, those are the big things in culture in the past. You would take someone alongside you in your business to sort of walk into the future with the mm -hmm. business. Uh, why aren't we doing that future? Oh, I just got off my head. Yeah. My soapbox. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we got on the soapbox. No, no, that's what we're here for. Um, so what would be some, like, tips? Like, some tips, tricks? Hey, there's someone listening who, you know, is an older person or someone our age, and they want to be able to go out and help some of those kids that they know that they're out there. They mm -hmm. know there's a need. Like, where where should they go? Where should they look for? Yeah, I think I think about this a lot, um, and, and how things have changed since I was a kid. And and everyone can say things have changed since they were a kid. But I, one of the things that really stands out to me is like when I was a t when I was in t ball, when I was in baseball, basketball, whatever the sport would be, we had two. I traditionally had two male coaches um, that were investing time in us. Their kids were on the team, but they really invested deeply in all the kids that were there. And then fast forward to um, this spring, I coached, um, no, this fall, sorry. I coached my son's soccer team, and there were about 70, 80 kids, um, and we had three, three parent coaches. That was it. And... Um, parents are there they're there watching and they're there giving but like we're not taking an active role and and we're seeing that across honestly you see that across the state of Iowa there's an extreme shortage in coaches and I think it doesn't necessarily come from a bad place I think parents sometimes just feel a little bit overwhelmed by the possibility of coaching or I don't know the sport or whatever it might be but the reality is we just need to come to those kids and surround them. And if, if you don't know soccer, you don't know basketball, or you don't know baseball, whatever it is, you can reach out to the high school coaches and they will, I will come to your practices and help you get started. So just getting more people involved in those things because not everybody's going to grow up to play soccer, not everyone's going to grow up to play baseball. But again, they can remember how they felt when they were there. They can remember being noticed and they can remember having those positive interactions with adults. 
And then to go on to like the interacting portion. So that's one good place that we can get in. I know that like the, the Wellman and Kelowna Ys are absolutely packed after schools. Um, there's also a program in the Kelowna Y, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's on early out Wednesdays um, where kids come and they play pool and they have some video games and, and they're all there and they're always looking for volunteers. Maybe we can link it in the description. But, sure. um, but that would be another good place. And then when I start working with a kid, no matter who the kid is, um, there are three basic concepts that I follow and, and there's, and we can link to that as well, but it's attachment and then it's regulation and then it's competency. So it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but the first level of basic interaction with kids is like attachment. Can I figure out what this kid is really into and can I be into it? Um, like Alex would laugh if he saw me at school pretending like I like the Green Bay Packers because he knows <laughs> that that is not true. But there's only like three kids in the school that are Detroit Lions fans, so <laughs> that doesn't get me anywhere. So like I might be looking up the stats of Rodgers or, or Devontae Adams or whoever it is just so I can find an in with that kid and plant that seed. So then we start to find that attachment. And so we were growing this attachment, and then all of a sudden the kid is in math, which they hate. And now I can come in and kind of like a water heater start to relieve that pressure with my attachment. Like, hey, how's it going? I really, I'm really excited to see you at school today. I know this is really tough. Why don't you come and see me afterwards, after class, and we'll talk a little bit more. So we'll give him a little bit of that regulation. And so then within that regulation, then they can stay involved. They can stay present in the math class. They can stay in soccer or they can stay in basketball or whatever it is. And then that's when they start to re reach competency. Um, I mm. think in the educational system, we misdiagnose competency or learning targets or um, learning deficits for regulation. Um, some of our smartest students in our schools are what we would call behavior, behaviorally challenged. They don't struggle with learning. Their, their test scores show that they are at the top of their class. They struggle with regulation. And so if we can hit that attachment, then we can move on to regulation. Then they're able to move to competency. And that follows a very specific pattern of attaching to one the first attachment is really hard. So if I can get a kid to attach to me and you're their social studies teacher, it's gonna be infinitely easier for them to attach to you because of the relationship that you and I have and we're in a relation of a school setting. And so when we start to practice that attachment, whether it be in the church, in the school, in the community, we're investing in their future to be able to attach to a boss where they're able to regulate when they're given negative feedback or, or um, attached to a coach when um, they might not get the playing time that they want. And so it starts, it really truly all starts, and even going back to male role models in their lives, it starts with attachment. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Another, we gotta get them the same page. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. And, and, it, and it's very clear, like you can see it in the schools, um, and you can see it more and more in that like, students will either attach to females really well, but not males, or males really well, but not females. And so you know that there's a deficit in there and we have to kind of get in there and dig around to figure out exactly how we can kind of fill that well to make sure that they're on the same playing field as everyone else. But it starts with intimate you know, conversations and, and, and that starts even as low as what, with Bennett that eye contact all the time, like you're building attachment. And when you're looking away and he's, starting to squawk or whatever, 
you know he's i need that back I oh need, yeah i need you to be looking at me and that those are the basic things that you know that's that comes right along with eating and sleeping the next is attachment and they need that attachment yeah you're definitely right about bennett that's like he's in his bouncer he's in his little roundy round thing it's like you're looking oh hey yeah it's like you said, he starts, you know, get a little bit fussy and you just like look back. Hey, and then he smiles and then yeah. he's running more. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it and is. That, that's attachment and regulation right there. Right. And so like I can do these things somewhat on my own, but I need to know that like you're going to give that to me when I need it mm -hmm. right away. Yep. And if you don't, then I'm going to figure out a way to get your attention. Well, yeah. That might be positive or negative. But the importance, I guess I always measure how much somebody looks me in the eye. And if you're somebody who doesn't look me in the eye, then I'll say, hmm, are you listening to that? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hate eye contact. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it makes me <laughs> wildly uncomfortable a lot of times, yeah. Uh, I, I'll carry a conversation, look up a little bit, and just be like, oh, that was weird. I'm not going to look at your eyes anymore. Well, but that's also personality type. Right? Okay. <laughs> so we'll give you a buy on part of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but for relationships, eye contact is very important. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I often am one of the first ones to notice when somebody's paying for a doctor. <laughs> because I walk through the bar. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know it's funny because my wife has a background in psychology too. And when Matt and her were like talking one time on a friend's boat, and I hear them talking, and I, I, I can tell they're talking about me, right? And <laughs> I walk in there. Without I, using your name. Oh, yeah. I mean. You know, you see your wife and you know your friends getting along and having a real good time. You know, it's usually you know at your expense, right? <laughs> so I walked in and they're like, "Oh, we were just talking about how you have a what was it defiance yeah. disorder or something like that." Oppositional um, defiance. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but you have some of those tendencies. <laughs> well, the very first thing I said, I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> and then you guys laughed, and I was like, ah, I might have just fallen right into that one. Yep. Well, the part of it is once you have that exposed, that that seems to be a tendency, at least you can say, yeah, I accept that. Yep. Now what do I do about it? Yep. Well, I think then what happened was about 45 minutes later, he texted me and said, I don't know what you told Carly, but now I'm doing everything that she wants me to do, and I don't like I it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> She's using these little, like, things. It was the, uh, I figured out, I was just like, do you want to do this now, or do you want to do this in 10 minutes? I'm like, yeah. 10 minutes, I make a choice. That's what I want to do. She's like, yeah, that's, yeah. You need yeah. a choice. Yep. And then yeah, one time she choice. described it to me. Yeah. 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 That good. serves a good purpose though. It I does. Mean, that that that, that kind of drive, it really serves a good purpose. But isn't that part of what we do as humans to learn how we best talk yeah. to each other? Yep. And if we really care enough about each other, to respect each other and say, Well, yeah, you're a little bit that way, but I like the other. Yep. And yep. and then we start to learn those patterns that we, we can talk better. Yep. Mm -hmm. All comes out of communication. Love yourself. Oh, that means I've got to know myself enough yeah. to be able to communicate to the other. Pretty much all. Yep. There's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. You know, the general concept of just you know loving your neighbor. And there's so much of that that comes down to a good having good communication, having. Not just a conversation, but an actual communication relationship to be able to build that. Yeah, can't really build one, build a relationship without that. And then, then that, you know, part of me then 
the electronic age and so many of these relationships are tunnel and cellular mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, social devices. What is that? Social, social media? media? Yeah, that's it. And uh, it, it, it's not real, it's not in person, it's not eye to eye. Mm -hmm. it, it's not, uh, I, I can't give anybody a hug or shake a hand. And uh, I think it just creates a whole other layer of challenges with conversation. <laughs> Back in maybe the old days when social messaging, uh, what is it, messenger? Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. My, we, we first got internet in the house. And so all of a sudden my daughter was on the computer upstairs and I was on the computer downstairs. And so she, she texted me. My first text. Hmm. And so I, I read it and went, hmm, well, why do you think that? <laughs> and I responded to it. Then she texted back. We got mad at each other because we weren't getting the full message. Mm -hmm. We were just yep. getting the words with the text. And so I, I went upstairs and said, what? And then, then it made sense. And, and we watch each other a little carefully mm -hmm. when we communicate by text. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Matt, do you see any kind of like challenges or something with, with online presence? Like, is there a way to, you know, disciple or kind of shepherd a relationship with someone who, not say you don't know how to use the internet or something like that, but let's say you're, you know, really good at it. Is there a way to do that without uh, looking like a predator of some kind? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a really good question and not one that I've probably experienced experienced um i think like part of it is just meeting kids where they're at yeah right and and the idea that like um for me you know phone and texting that like to students is kind of a no-go right and in the not in the older age but like as i'm getting a little bit more um experience under my belt knowing the fact that i'm i can text a kid on saturday night and be like hey i know that you had a really rough week i'm really excited to see you back at school on monday or hey how are you doing um those like just little drops are invaluable to kids because you're meeting them on their level um and then also you know we're starting to see like esports is a huge thing mm -hmm. um there's two teachers at the high school um mr brogue and mr Surum, who are doing amazing work um with esports and it's it's incredible because and I don't know all of the kids there, but some of my kids that attend esports don't participate in anything. And so now again, we're building a community, a team, and meeting them on their level. If you if you don't want to do the basketball, you know, traditional sports or um, you know, music or, or fine arts in any way, is there a way that we can still meet them on their level? And that has been very, very successful. And and I think it really probably is the future of how we interact with a lot of kids. Whether we like it or not, um, it's just about meeting them on their level. Let's figure yeah. out where they're at and where can we go. Because um, trying to set those parameters, just it's just not going to work for every kid. Not every kid's going to fit in the box of like our olden days. Well, I, I'd like to see the split because I know there are certain older adults that don't know anything about electronics. Mm -hmm. And I've watched my uh, nieces help my mom and dad. Yeah. Their, with their uh, iPad and their, their, uh, even a smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, so is there a place that there could be interaction where younger people could help us older people with our... Yeah. Uh, 
that's a that's a really great question um because mid prairie just a small plug mid prairie has a family night and it's it's traditionally geared at um parents and it can be grandparents and there's there's usually a couple guest speakers and then um glenda seward usually does a tech kind of or um frank slayball will do a tech we we can derive it as any way like if if someone wants to come and hear about aces i can do that if someone wants to hear about tech they can do that and you can kind of just bring in and try and learn like these are what your kids are using for to check their grades this is what power school is this is what this is or, or just these are the apps that your children are using here's how you can learn more about them that's an incredible resource because glenda and frank do so well like i should be sitting in on those because i am not super techie in, in any way either so that's a really good resource as well and and those flyers will be posted i think we're doing another one in the spring this year and so maybe we ought to plug the fact that that's important stuff yeah because what i'm seeing and we are so close to iris yeah a lot of people are coming without their parents and grandparents i mean the mm -hmm. generational piece is missing. Mm -hmm. uh, those it sounds like those kind of gatherings might be the place where we can be more community adding mm -hmm. grandpas and grandmas to the mix i think our parents i might might have two sets of kids that are away from this community i can't grandparent well very far off and what I see is that they've been able to gather around them some older adults who sort of help bridge the gap. Since I can't do this, Charlie and I can't do this. So uh, maybe what you're doing with your family night would be one of those places that we could be a community together, bringing the grandpas and grandmas to family night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And making well, and the other thing, make sure you go to the program. Yeah, it's funny. For Christmas, um, I got my grandma. She's at Pleasant View uh, Facebook portal, which is like a video chat thing. My kids really love using it. Um, my wife's parents live kind of on opposite ends of the country. And so we video chat with them. They read books through this Facebook portal. And so I thought, it's it might be tough, but I'm going to get my grandma a Facebook portal. And... I was setting it up and showing her how to use it. And she's like, I'm not sure I can do this. And I said, Grandma, you're never too old to learn something new. Are you? And she goes, well, I guess not. And my Lord, she is, she's FaceTiming me all the time now. Like <laughs> She's getting it. So I, I think, um, you know, I think that's also one of those things. If we're going to ask kids to learn new skills every day as adults, we need to be open to learning new skills every day because they watch that. They watch that like, you've learned something that was really hard for you and it, it didn't come natural and you kind of went through the same level of emotions but you had the persistence to move forward and that that's a guiding path that if we talk about male role models that's the same thing it's like i will try hard things i might fail but i will be persistent to keep going and you're watching a hundred percent Cool. I, I think we did a really good job covering a lot of stuff. We probably left some stuff out, mm -hmm. but we'll make sure to plug the rec center activity yep. night. Um, and then be, is, is there something for the spring family night already that I we can, can, uh, I don't think it's in the works yet. Okay. So, so we'll probably be... start that right after, um, the semester ends. Okay. So I, and I can get that out to you guys as well. Yeah. Cool. That'd be really cool to plug. Yeah. Um, since we're all dads, I have one last question. Like where's the best place to take a nap? Pilots from the 
my workshop. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I even got somewhere to nap in my shop, that would be hard to find. Shelf up at the top. Hmm. Um, I, I would just, if you figure out that answer, please let me know because <laughs> I have no idea. I say someone that and they're like, oh, like an airplane. I'm like, what? They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing else you can do. It's just a good place to take a nap. Like, I've never once like left for more than like 10 minutes on an airplane. Well, but you don't take a nap, do you? Mm, no. You just don't look like the kind of nap person. I'd love to take a nap, but... Uh, the opportunity. No. I'm not a nap taker, but it, yeah, it has to be a spot where nothing else. I'll tell you what, I can take a nap in a car, for sure. We've gone down to like Florida before, and like, yeah, it's like. As long as you're not driving, yeah. 15 minutes, he's out. Yeah, leaving the yeah. middle of the night at midnight to go down yeah. to Florida on Christmas Day or something, and you know, Matt's got caffeine in him, and I'm just like, yeah, that's great. I'm just gonna. Yeah, he yeah he comes in with good intentions. <laughs> he comes in with good intentions, like, what do you want to talk about? And then three minutes later. The pillow comes out. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, it's over from it's here. All right, it's, it's <laughs> go ahead, buddy. <laughs> yep. All right, guys, this is a lot of fun. Um, thanks for coming in. This is yep. cool, Matt. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, have a good week.